Hello, everyone. Welcome to In Depth with Seth and Beth. This is a brand new podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church, where we take a deeper dive and a closer look at the message preached the Sunday prior to the recording of this podcast. Yesterday, October 25th, we heard from Paula Northwood, who preached a sermon based on the 22nd chapter of Matthew, verses 34 through 40, in which Jesus is asked, which commandment is the greatest? And Jesus answers words that are probably familiar to many of us when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paula's sermon title is Jesus the Great Debater. And I'm looking forward to talking with Seth about what we both heard yesterday and what it might mean for us as we move out into the world. I'm Beth Hoffman Faith. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And Seth, I'll invite you to introduce yourself. I thought you were going to say something like it was entitled Jesus the Great Debater. And here's Seth, the not as good debater, because that would be true. (laughs) My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis and a proud colleague of Beth Hoffman Faith and Paula Northwood. So if I was going to sum up Paula's sermon in one sentence, it would be that kindness might be the key to loving our neighbors and to loving God. There's a lot of layers to that. And Paula helped us through some of those layers. But that, to me, was sort of the impetus of this sermon. I wonder, Seth, what was your reaction to the sermon? And did it stir in you any new feelings or insights? This came up again in a conversation I had in a small group this morning around kindness. And it reminded me of something that uh, Rabbi Heschel wrote or said. He talked about in Judaism, in the Jewish tradition, there's mitzvahs. And these are small kindnesses that one does throughout your day and throughout your life. And he was saying that these small mitzvahs, these small kindnesses, are actually more of a fulfillment of the law and more of living into God's desire of us than what so often happens are these large mitzvahs. Donating money to a hospital to build a pediatric cancer wing and putting your name on it. That is less, he was arguing, less in line with what God was asking or demanding than these small kindnesses. And so that came up to me. And whenever we talk about kindnesses, I think about that. That's interesting because I was just sent this morning an article from the Washington Post about Mary Jo Copeland, who is the founder of Sharing and Caring Hands in Minneapolis and has been working to serve her neighbors for over 40 years. In the article, I didn't realize this, but Mary Jo's husband has passed away since the pandemic began. And she talked about the pain in that and the necessity for her to just go back to work and how for her, they were the only organization serving meals when there was an original shutdown in March. And for her, it's all about kindness. Like, That is what motivates her work, is extending kindness to someone who has lost everything, who doesn't know where they're going to sleep that evening, who's looking for the really big things that Mary Jo can't provide. But she said, what I can do is I can be kind. And she told the story of sitting in one of the apartments that uh, Sharon and Caring Hands facilitates. And it was among family. There was the language barrier. 
And the woman had worked in a restaurant, lost her restaurant job. The kids were trying to do school via distance and it was really difficult. And Mary, Mary Jo stated in the article, you know, she, she was only with them for an hour. She could have been with them a year and they still wouldn't have been able to solve the many problems that this family was facing. But in that hour, she could give them cereal and some socks and do a silly dance to make the children laugh. And for her, that was the best she could do in the moment, but it was all based in kindness. It just brought me back to Paula's sermon too. Um, I have to say, I, I'm not sure I've ever made the leap from what it means to love God and neighbor that could be drilled down to being kind. Yeah, and that's where that concept for me of the mitzvah comes in, in the way that Heschel described it. It is very much a, a, a duty, a religious duty to perform mitzvahs. But at least in his writing, he was saying that it was being sort of taken in a direction that only certain people who have certain amount of wealth, certain large things, can give these kinds. Where in reality, being patient with somebody, offering half of a sandwich, hmm. sitting and listening, feeding, those are also mitzvahs and those add up. And especially right now in this time where people are feeling isolated, where everyone is concerned about how we're going to make it through the winter, how we're going to see our families. More and more stories are being told to me about people who have either struggled with COVID or um, watched a loved one battle the disease and maybe succumb to the disease. At the same time, we're trying to to be present. The racial reckoning that's happening is is kindness the answer? No, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> This piece of scripture is one of my favorites because it's one of those few times in the Gospels where Jesus seems to say something concrete, and it's attributed to Jesus and not to Paul or another person writing in Paul's name who is interpreting something that Jesus may have said, but rather, this is something that Jesus maybe actually said, and it is almost concrete. Here's two things. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love the other as yourself. And it, it's so simple, it almost sounds like the answer until you start to ask how. <laughs> and then it, it's no longer the answer, but it is potentially leading you to an answer. And so your question about, is kindness enough? Well, no, because you start asking how. And mm. you start asking, I mean, we can feed people, but how do we stop people from needing to be fed? It opens up the conversation to the systemic pieces of it. But in the end, yeah, being kind makes a huge difference. I've always gotten pretty tripped up in the scripture around the word love because we could dissect that word for the next how many days and still not come, I think, to any true conclusions about what the word means in this context and the context of Plymouth Congregational Church and the context of our family life because it's so multi-layered. I mean, what does it really look like and mean to love our neighbor when we fiercely disagree with our neighbor, when we don't yes. even know our neighbors? When we might be afraid of our neighbors. Oh, all right, right, all right. Or we might be afraid. I think that's why I appreciated Paula's perspective here in leading us on one path. So here's one path to understanding love, and that is to be kind to practice kindness. And then she used, of course, well, my favorite, one of my very favorite poems, Kindness by Naomi Shiab Nye uh, as an accessory reading. And I, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this who, who doesn't know that poem, 
to please look it up, search kindness um, poem and it, it will come up immediately. It's just one of my favorites because of the language that Naomi uses in this poem. But the phrase that Paula kept lifting up was the tender gravity of kindness. The tender gravity of kindness. Gravity implies some kind of, for me, some kind of weight, but a tender, yeah. a, a, you know, a softening, a tender kindness. And that we can only know, we can only extend kindness when we have experienced hardship and loss. And that's what that the idea that kindness is the other side of sorrow yes. is really important. It reminds me of something Pema Chodron said, which is something like to have compassion for another person is to, to recognize the darkness in you as the darkness in them or something like that. I misquoted it, but that compassion and darkness she puts working with each other, just like uh, the poet puts kindness and sorrow together right. that right. and empathy yeah. because the poet writes about how you can only understand kindness when you see an Indian in a white poncho lying dead at the side of the road and realizing that this could be you, you know, when you, when you have empathy, you will know kindness. When you have had sorrow, you will have felt kindness be extended to you and then perhaps be even more willing to extend kindness to another which I think is the whole inroad to loving our neighbor. When we stop judging our neighbor or looking at our neighbor and automatically assigning um, categories or stereotypes, but instead see some of ourself in the other, to me, that's the intersection where love can happen. But a lot of that starts with ourselves. We have to recognize our own sorrows. And that is not something that, uh, not that we don't recognize our own sorrows, but we don't sit with our own sorrows we try to bat them away and then we try that so that makes it really easy to bat away other people's sorrows but if we were to really sit sit in our own sorrow what would that do for our ability to understand where other people are sitting we don't have to know the exact sorrow but we can understand the concept of sitting in it i don't see us wanting to do that and and the fact that she has to read that cornell west um mm. quote from 27 years ago from 1993 as 1993. So unbelievably apt shows that to me we're we're not recognizing our own sorrows which makes us able to justify where why others are making up theirs and my immediate reflection to what you just said is there's this kind of thin line between recognizing our sorrows and beginning to wallow in our sorrows and and then no longer having the ability to see outside of ourselves. We, we've all met people who, and been with people who, who can't get past their own pain. So I think there's, I, I, while I totally agree with it, you and what you're saying, and that recognizing our own sorrow is a part of our healing and love of self, I do think there's this, you know, where does it stop? How can we use sorrow to lead us in a in a direction that focuses outward rather than caves us inward yeah when i have conversations with people around whiteness or white supremacy or systems of of dominance it somebody when i was living in chicago said to me white people will never change the system until they realize their souls are at stake too mm. and mm. to do that it takes it 
it means that we have to recognize that we are harmed by this system. Just because we're not as bodily harmed or financially harmed or oppressed in the very uh, in overt ways, it doesn't mean we're out of this unscathed. But it's hard to go down that road because then it's really easy to start saying, well, I'm a victim too. Or mm. I'm harmed by this, therefore, I, I don't know, then I don't have to help. So people are oddly complicated. which i think leads us back to if our first response could be kindness rather than something else boy when this world the world would look really different than it does now you can be kind to somebody without agreeing with them absolutely and i think many of us are working hard to practice that right now in this charged time pre-election when we don't agree and paula lifted that up in in her sermon as well being kind doesn't mean we aren't also being called to be activists for peace and justice. You, you can do both and you can be kind while vehemently working hard to change the system, yeah. I believe. So what would you hope that others might take away from Paula's words? What I can say is what I took away from it, which is I think what she wanted me to take away from it as, as reading her sermon again in the way she frames it is, is the idea of be that one. Mm. Be that one. Be the one that acts in kindness, even when culturally that is not what people are doing. Christianity is countercultural, even though oftentimes churches have not been countercultural, but but Christianity in in the following of Jesus often, almost always goes against culture. And when our culture is is one of greed and uh, hurt and abuse and violence and anger and being mean to be kind is a countercultural be that one Hmm. and i i would say that my hope is that people would really examine the practice of kindness in their lives uh, and begin to make the connections between the act of kindness and the love of self neighbor and god you know, is it is it a connecting of the dot? Is it a pathway, uh, an inlet, uh, a new understanding, a revealing? And to notice, I, I'm coming back to your initial illustration, Seth, that it's often the, the smallest acts of kindness which really matter the most. So nothing is trivial or trite. Right. With, with intention, kindness is transformational. And I think we don't give it enough credit. We are taught by our culture, at least right now, but I think often, at least in our culture, that kindness is weakness or Mm. stupidity or somehow simple-mindedness. You're right. Kindness has nothing to do with intellect or cultural hope of of beating each other down. Right. So don't judge your value of kindness or the way you practice kindness upon what another is offering to, because we need it all to survive particularly in this time. Well, thanks, Seth, for going a little bit in depth. I am always glad to be with you and to talk with you, and especially in this way. And I want to thank anyone who might be listening to this. Yeah. And uh, grateful that you're joining us on this journey as we continue to reflect on the message of the week. 
I want to give a shout out and a thank you to Laura Caviani, who recorded uh, the music that you're hearing at the beginning and ending of this Absolutely. podcast. Uh, it's her interpretation of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and her musical gifts are prodigious. And a beautiful illustration of kindness entering the world. So you can you can experience some of that kindness by watching uh, Plymouth services, and you can find those at plymouth.org under worship. Find all of our archived worship services, including the one in which this sermon that we were just talking about preached on October 25th. All right. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, everyone. Practice kindness, and may it lead to great and deep love. We'll see you again. <laughs>